Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Brad Johnson is professor of psychology in the Department of Leadership, Ethics, and Law at the United States Naval Academy and a faculty associate in the Graduate School of Education at John Hopkins University. A clinical psychologist and former commissioned officer in the Navy's Medical Service Corps, Dr. Johnson served as Bethesda Naval Hospital and the medical clinic at Pearl Harbor, where he was the division head for psychology. He is a recipient of the Johns Hopkins University Teaching Excellence Award and has received Distinguished Mentor Award from the National Institutes of Health and the American Psychology Association. Brad is the author of numerous publications, including 14 books in the areas of gender in the workplace, mentoring, cross-gender allyship, professional ethics, and counseling. His most recent books include Good Guys, How Men Can Become Better Allies for Women in the Workplace, which was written with David Smith, and we're gonna talk a little bit about that book today. And previously, Athena Rising, How and Why Men Should Mentor Women, also with David Smith. Hello, Brad. Hello there, Ed. Thank you for joining us today. I am delighted to be with you and talk about courage today. Yeah, we're gonna talk a little bit about bravery in the workplace, and a lot of your work has to do with men becoming better allies or mentors for women in the workplace. And before we get to that, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and also you know, really what you're doing today and what the focus of your work is. Yeah, happy to share that, Ed. So I am a clinical psychologist, as you said, by way of background, and I have spent most of my career researching mentoring relationships and, and specifically what mentoring looks like when it's really done well from the perspective of the mentee. And so that has intrigued me most of my research career. One of the things I have always noticed is that the data shows that women are often less likely to get mentored certainly less likely to get sponsored. And often the quality of the mentoring is not as good. And part of the reason is that in, in most organizations and companies, men can be reluctant to mentor women. And of course, if men don't do that, um, a lot of women are not going to get mentored. These are male-centric, top-heavy male organizations. Um, 
more recently, my colleague David Smith and I have been doing lots of research around beyond mentoring and sponsoring, what does it look like when guys show up in the workplace as really deliberate, I would say courageous colleagues and collaborators and accomplices to push gender equity and equality. And so really the question, how do men effectively partner with women to move the needle on, on equality? Well, fantastic. And we will have a lot to talk about today before we get there. Maybe a couple of quick definitions for our listeners. So what is a clinical psychologist for our non-medical listeners like myself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a clinical psychologist is somebody who focuses all of his or her uh, professional energy and research focus, in my case, uh, on helping people who may have some form of distress or mental illness or uh, or difficulty. So it is really sort of the art of and the science of of treatment and helping people in terms of uh, you know modifying behavior and feeling better. Wow, fantastic. And how about mentoring? We're going to probably talk a lot today about mentoring. I do believe that mentoring is a place where we need to be braver in the workplace in respect to looking for a mentor as well as providing mentorship. But how do you define mentoring? Yeah. So a great question, Ed. And I would say, you know, just in very broad terms, I think of mentoring in terms of two buckets of, of mentor functions. So so first bucket, the career functions, right? Uh, challenging, teaching, guiding, uh, maybe some sponsoring, pushing somebody forward. Uh, I'm all about promoting your career. So uh, the career piece is important. The other bucket, though, is equally important. And we often forget how crucial this is. And that's the psychosocial relational. So, you know, the, the, the encouragement, the affirmation, the social support, the collegiality and friendship, uh, great mentors we find do both of those things for their mentees. Terrific. Brad, thank you so much for sharing those definitions. And I have uh, a copy of your book, Good Guys, How Men Can Be Better Allies for Women in the Workplace. I've read it. I loved it. You know, for me, this is a, a huge area of interest. And, you know, part of that reason is because when I look back on my 25 years in corporate America, you know, I think I was complicit in participating in cultures that did not support women effectively. And I never, you know, I thought a lot back as I was reading your book to my times in corporate America in a number of leadership roles. And while many of the colleagues I worked with were male and many of the colleagues I worked with were female, you know, in your book, it certainly brings to light a lot of the behaviors or culture that existed and probably still exist today associated with how women operate in the workplace. So, Thank you, first of all, for you know doing this work and bringing it to light. And you know, I'd love to start with kind of where your interests came from. You know, why is this topic of women in the workplace, men mentoring and helping women, and being part of the equation for success in the workplace? Where did this come from, and why have you spent so much of your career focused on it? 
Yeah, yeah. So really important question. And I get this a lot. You know, I think I think when um, audiences and especially women hear that my colleague Dave Smith and I are spending so much of our time looking at, at equity and equality and how men can be better, um, they do ask that question. What's your motivation? And and for me, uh, it you know, it is partly the research I mentioned before and looking at the data, looking at the discrepancies and the fact that women don't get the same quality engagement when it comes to promoting their careers. But there's also a personal element for me. So I've got one sibling. Uh, it, it is a sister. Um, both my sister Shannon and I entered the Navy as clinical psychologists and officers. Shannon has stayed in the Navy. And, and I have had a front row seat to watching how she has faced gendered headwinds in a way that I, of course, never did. So, you know, as an example, people have told her over her career, she should smile more. She should be more emotionally available. Um, even on, on physical fitness tests, if you can believe this, in the Navy, she's been told, maybe you shouldn't run so fast. It, it kind of shames all the younger guys that you're beating. Um, and, and I got to say, I have just never encountered this stuff. and. Um, so I think it really is empathy for what I see my sister and other women I care about experiencing in the workplace, you know, in addition to the research. And then I've got a great colleague, Dave Smith. And, you know, Dave is an expert on gender in the workplace and dual career couples. And he has really helped me get better at, at getting more aware uh, of how gender is so crucial in terms of um, well-functioning, you know, gender balance workplaces. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about workplaces around the globe, most of my expertise is in the United States of America, but I would imagine it's very common around the globe. You know, a lot of workplaces are very male focused. And, uh, you know, this is where I believe bravery takes a role in the workplace because in order to kind of break through the status quo, as other guests have defined bravery, uh, you know, it takes courage in order to say something that needs to be said or do something that needs to be done. And as I mentioned earlier, I think upon reflection, you know, I've been, uh, you know, either purposely or by accident part of this uh, kind of male privileged society that culturally created these environments that made it harder for women who, you know, as you read articles, have to work twice as hard to get recognized half as much uh, in these workplaces. You know, tell us a little bit more about your observations about male-dominated environments, uh, you know, workplaces. Yeah. So, Ed, first of all, thanks for sharing that. And let me just tell you, brother, you're not alone. Uh, you know, all of <laughs> us, have, all of us, uh, you know, who happen to be men have have contributed to this and we're all a bit complicit. And the question is, what do we do as our awareness increases? And we have a sense that things are not just and they're not equal and they're not fair in the workplace. So, um, I think there are a couple of things going on here around the issue of, you know, why men are not engaging. One of them, I think, definitely has to do with the bravery issue. So, number one, I think very often we men hear words like gender, diversity, and we tune out, right? We think to ourselves, uh, you know, that's not me, that's a woman's thing. So, we don't go to these events, we don't enter the conversations, we don't 
ask questions about uh, what our female colleagues are experiencing at work, we, we tend to tune that out. And until men realize this is not a women's issue, this is a leadership issue, uh, it's a business issue, until we own that, I, I think we are gonna have trouble really becoming part of the solution. The other piece of this that really gets to bravery, Ed, is that I, I think a lot of guys honestly have some anxiety about engaging actively with women in the workplace, right? And there are multiple layers to this. Dave Smith, in our book, uh, Athena Rising, he and I actually heard this so much from men, we actually developed this phrase for it called reluctant male syndrome. You know, so why are guys not engaging with women? Well, number one, they can be anxious about how that might look or how it might come across, right? What will she think if I offer mentoring or if I start becoming a better colleague? Um, some guys just don't know how these relationships are supposed to look, right? I have a script for a, a, a mom relationship and a daughter or a, a sister relationship, but no one ever gave me a roadmap to having a close personal, collegial, non-romantic relationship with a woman at work. And I that makes me anxious, so I just I stay away. Other guys are worried about rumors. And of course there's always the issue that men are concerned that, you know, they just they're not sure what to do. And guys hate not knowing what to do. Um, so I think for all of those reasons, it takes some real courage for guys to lean in, overcome their anxiety. And, and as a clinical psychologist, I'll just tell you, if you're a guy who's afraid of engaging with women, there's only one cure for this, and it's exposure therapy, right? Uh, more more coffees, more lunches, more conversations, more mentoring. Uh, I guarantee you, the more you do this, the, the more comfortable you'll become. Well, I will admit, you know, as a corporate leader in the past, this feeling of anxiety in a relationship with a female colleague was significant. So if you are, I don't want to say competing, but if you're, you know, going after something similar and the person that you are, uh, you know, also going after it is female, the relationship that you have and the way that you think about it and the interactions you have are significantly different if that other person is a male, because with another male, I think the dominant feeling, and I'm just talking off the top of my head, is competition. You know, how do I beat this guy? With a female, it's all the things that you just mentioned about the complications as it relates to our relationship. And it is highly unscripted. You know, there's no magic formula out there yet that describes, and maybe there isn't, I just haven't read it, but, you know, how to navigate uh, a relationship uh, between a male and a female versus a male and a male in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, and and I think on top of you know everything I just mentioned and and that you mentioned Ed about the you know causes of the anxiety or the reluctance, you know then came uh, you know three years ago then came Me Too right and and we hoped that maybe the Me Too movement would be an impetus for guys to get a bit more engaged. Uh, in supporting female colleagues and thinking about gender equity. And in fact, it's had just the opposite effect. So research by Lean In and Bloomberg is showing that men in corporate America are far less comfortable having mentoring conversations with women post Me Too than they were before. Um, not comfortable, you know, being seen with women, not comfortable with closed door meetings. So in effect, Me Too has caused women to get even less kind of career support and sponsoring. 
I, you know, I, I think that courageous men have got to push back on the false narratives about Me Too. You know, the 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 idea that uh, women are somehow dangerous now post Me Too. No, not true. There's not a shred of evidence that women are more scary. Um, that women make false accusations against men in any measurable numbers. It's just not true. So guys have to push back when we hear these false narratives. And we have to model uh, engaging with a wide range of female colleagues um, so that it, it's not viewed as weird. We, we role model this for other younger men um, and we get over our own, you know, anxiety so that uh, so that Me Too doesn't become something that that pushes back gender inequity even further. Well, Me Too is not something that was intended to apply to everyone. Right. I'm. I know that there are a number of male leaders who have very effective relationship with all colleagues, male and female. I mean, Me Too, I think, is designated toward very specific behavior, which even today, as a leadership coach, I still hear stories about behavior that, you know, makes my the, the hair on my neck curl just because it's so unbelievable after everything that's been going on and the visibility around behavior in the workplace that anybody would continue to participate in that type of behavior, and yet they still do. So, uh, you know, I echo your your belief that men need to be stronger and not feel like Me Too is meant to be an umbrella over every kind of male-female interaction that can happen in the workplace. Yeah, I, and I just want to affirm that, Ed, that, you know, if you are an average, bumbling, well-meaning dude, like, you know, my colleague Dave Smith and I, my co-author, and you're trying to be better, and you're trying to engage more effectively with women, you're trying to listen, you're trying to sponsor, it is highly unlikely that you are somehow going to become the, the recipient of a complaint. Um, we find actually just the opposite. When women begin to see where your heart is, when they begin to trust you as somebody who is sincere in doing this work, those are the women who are going to give you honest feedback. Those are those are women who are going to say, hey, Brad, ooh, uh, you know, when you say that, mm, that doesn't land very well. Be careful about that. She's going to be in my corner and I can count on her. And she's actually probably going to save me from myself, uh, you know, and and so form that network of female colleagues and you've got to earn earn their trust. Well, you and David cover a number of topics in your book. And if there is uh, male listeners listening to the show, which I know there will be, uh, picking up this book, Good Guys, How Men Can Be Better Allies for Women in the Workplace, would be a great positive step in order to expand your awareness around the relationships between men and women in the workplace and get some great ideas on how you can make improvements on it. We'll talk about those in a few minutes. But you know, one of my favorite concepts early on in the book is something called gender intelligence. And I just love that model. And I'm wondering, Brad, if you could talk to us a little bit about what gender intelligence is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we had fun with that, right? A little play on GQ. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, it involves a number of things, and they're all – I think quite important. And again, these are the things that we men can miss if we're not deliberate about this. So number one, we, we call 
we talk about sharpening your situational awareness, right? So for example, in a meeting, right? Who got invited? Who's included? Even more important now in the Zoom world we're in, right? Who should be in the room? Who's not? Um, who is at the table? Who's not at the table? Who is, who's getting to speak? Who's dominating, you know, the conversation? Whose great ideas are being taken, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, the guy gets credit for them. Who's being interrupted? What's the mood in the room? As a male ally, I've got to become more situationally aware. It's hard for me to disrupt things that are not uh, okay if I'm not aware of what's going on. I also want to become more attuned to women's experiences, right? And this this is where trust develops, and I can demonstrate some humility and a real learning orientation, asking some of my female colleagues, hey, what's it like for you at this company as one of the few women, or maybe as the only black woman in our department? Can I just ask what do you encounter here at work? Or, you know, are there things that I should be more aware of? If you're not sure it's okay, you know, or she may not want to share that with you, ask if it's okay to ask, you know, and I find that you can get a lot of mileage with that. Um, Got to become more aware of my privilege. You know, I think this is part of my GQ. As, as, a, as a white male, I have had all kinds of tailwinds my whole career pushing me forward. And, and it has resulted in, you know, the ability right now to have a substantial privilege, even some power, some social capital, that if I'm aware of it, I can actually use it to sponsor, to mentor, to push others forward. But if I deny that privilege, uh, you know, it's hard for me to actually use that for good. We're going to pause in our conversation with Brad Johnson and ask that you join us for our next podcast broadcast, where we will continue our conversation and hear more about bravery at work. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and our download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.